John Locke, An Essay Concerning Human Understanding Section 8. Same Man An animal is a living, organised body, and consequently the same animal, as we have observed, is the same continued life communicated to different particles of matter, as they happen successively to be united to that organised living body. And whatever is talked of other definitions, ingenious observation puts it past doubt. That the idea in our minds, of which the sound man in our mouths is a sign, is nothing else but of an animal of such a certain form, since I think I may be confident that whoever should see a creature of his own shape or make, though it had no more reason all its life than a cat or a parrot, would call him still a man. Or whoever should hear a cat or a parrot discourse, reason and philosophize, would call or think it nothing but a cat or a parrot, and say, the one was a dull irrational man, and the other a very intelligent rational parrot. A relation we have in an author of great note is sufficient to countenance the supposition of a rational parrot. Section 9. Personal Identity This being premised to find wherein personal identity consists, we must consider what person stands for, which, I think, is a thinking, intelligent being that has reason and reflection and can consider itself as itself, the same thinking thing, in different times and places, which it does only by that consciousness which is inseparable from thinking, and, as it seems to me, essential to it. It being impossible for any one to perceive without perceiving that he does perceive. When we see, hear, smell, taste, feel, meditate, or will anything, we know that we do so. Thus, it's always as to our present sensations and perceptions, and by this every one is to himself that which he calls himself. It is not being considered in this case whether the same self be continued in the same or diverse substances. For since consciousness always accompanies thinking, and it's that which makes every one to be what he calls self and thereby distinguishes himself from all other thinking things. In this alone consists personal identity, i.e. the sameness of a rational being. And as far as this consciousness can be extended backwards to any person, any past action or thought, so far reaches the identity of that person. It's the same self now as it was then, and it is by the same self with this present one that now reflects on it, that that action was done. Section 10. Consciousness makes personal identity. But is it further inquired whether it be the same identical substance? This few would think they had reason to doubt of, 
if these perceptions with their consciousness always remained present in the mind, whereby the same thinking thing would be always consciously present and, as would be thought, evidently the same to itself. But that which seems to make the difficulty is this, that this consciousness being interrupted always by forgetfulness, there being no moment of our lives wherein we have the whole train of all of our past actions before our eyes in one view. But even the best memories losing the sight of one part whilst they are viewing another. And we sometimes, and that the greatest part of our lives, not reflecting on our past selves, being intent on our present thoughts, and in sound sleep having no thoughts at all, or at least none with that consciousness which remarks our waking thoughts. I say, in all these cases, our consciousness being interrupted and we losing sight of our past selves, doubts are raised whether we are the same thinking thing, i.e. the same substance or no. Which, however reasonable or unreasonable, concerns personal identity at all. The question being, what makes the same person? and not whether it be the same identical substance, which always thinks in the same person, which in this case matters not at all. Different substances by the same consciousness, where they do partake in it, being united into one person, as well as different bodies by the same life are united into one animal whose identity is preserved in that change of substances by the unity of one continued life. For it being the same consciousness that makes a man be himself to himself, personal identity depends on that only, whether it be annexed solely to one individual substance or can be continued in a succession of several substances, for as far as any intelligent being can repeat the idea of any past action with the same consciousness it had of it at first, and with the same consciousness it has of any past action, so far it is the same personal self. For it is by the consciousness it has of its present thoughts and actions that it is self to itself now. And so will be the same self, as far as the same consciousness can be extended to actions past or to come, and would be by distance of time or change of substance no more two persons than a man be two men by wearing other clothes today than he did yesterday, with a long or a short sleep between." the same consciousness uniting those distant actions in the same person, whatever substances contributed to their production. Section 11. Personal Identity in Change of Substances That this is so, we have some kind of evidence in our very bodies, all whose particles whilst vitally united to this same thinking conscious self, 
so that we feel when we are touched and are affected by the conscience, conscious of a good harm or harm that happens to them and are part of ourselves, i.e. of our thinking conscious self. Thus, the limbs of his body are to every one a part of himself. He sympathizes and is concerned for them. Cut off a hand and thereby separate it from that consciousness he had of its heat, cold and other affections. And it is then no longer a part of that which is himself. Any more than the remotest part of matter. Thus, we see the substance whereof personal self consisted at one time may be varied at another without the change of personal identity. There being no question about the same person, though the limbs which but now were part of it to be cut off. Section 14. As to the second part of the question, whether the same immaterial substance remaining, there may be two distinct persons. Which question seems to me to be built on this, whether the same immaterial being, being conscious of the action of its past duration, may be wholly stripped of all the consciousness of its past experience, and lose it beyond the power of ever retrieving it again. And so, as it were, beginning a new account from a new period, have a consciousness that cannot reach beyond this new state. All those who hold pre-existence are evidently of this mind, since they allow the soul to have no remaining consciousness of what it did in that pre-existent state, either wholly separate from the body or informing any other body. And if they should not, it is plain experience would be against them. So that personal identity, reaching no further than consciousness reaches, a pre-existent spirit not having continued so many ages in a state of silence, must needs make different persons. Suppose a Christian Platonist or a Pythagorean should upon God's having ended all his works of creation on the seventh day, think his soul hath existed ever since, and would imagine it has resolved in several human bodies. As I much once met with one who was persuaded his had been the soul of Socrates, how reasonably I will not dispute, this I know, that is the post he filled, which was no inconsiderable one. He passed for a very rational man, and would press has shown that he wanted no parts or learning. Would anyone say that he, being not conscious of any of Socrates' actions or thoughts, could be the same person with Socrates? Let anyone reflect upon himself and conclude that he has in himself an immaterial spirit, which is that which thinks in him, and in the constant change of his body keeps him the same, and is that which he calls himself. Let him also suppose that it be the same soul that was in Nestor or Thersiastes at the siege of Troy. For souls being, as far as we know of them, in their nature indifferent to any parcel of matter, the supposition has no apparent absurdity in it. 
which it may have been as well as it is now the soul of any other man. But he now having no consciousness of any of the actions of Nestor or Thersites, does he or can he conceive himself as the same person as either of them? Can he be concerned in either of their actions, attribute them to himself, or think them his own, more than the actions of any other men that ever existed? So that this consciousness, not reaching to any of the actions of either of these men, he is no more oneself with either of them than if the soul or immaterial spirit that now informs him had been created and began to exist when it began to inform his present body, though it were ever so true, that the same spirit that informed Nestor's or Thersites' body were numerically the same that now informs his. For this would no more make him the same person with Nestor than if some of the particles of matter that were once a part of Nestor were now a part of this man. The same immaterial substance, without the same consciousness, no more making the same person by being united to any body, than the same particle of matter, without consciousness united to any body, makes the same person. But let him once find himself conscious of any of the actions of Nestor, he then finds himself the same person with Nestor. Section 15 and thus may we be able, without any difficulty, to conceive the same person at the resurrection, though in a body not exactly in make or parts the same which he had here, the same consciousness going along with the soul that inhabits it. But yet the soul alone in the change of bodies would scarce to anyone but to him that makes the soul the man be enough to make the same man. For should the soul of a prince, carrying with it the consciousness of the prince's past life, enter and inform the body of a cobbler, as soon as deserted by his own soul, everyone sees he would be the same person with the prince, accountable only for the prince's actions. But who would say it was the same man? The body too goes to making the man, and I would, I guess, to everybody determine the man in this case, wherein the soul, with all its princely thoughts about it, would not make another man, but he would be this very same cobbler to everyone besides himself. I know that, in the ordinary way of speaking, the same person and the same man stand for one and the same thing. And indeed, everyone will always have a liberty to speak as he pleases and to apply what articulate sounds to what ideas he thinks fit and change them as often as he pleases. But yet, when we will inquire what makes the same spirit, man or person, we must fix the ideas of spirit, man and person in our minds. And having resolved with ourselves what we mean by them, it will not be hard to determine in either of them or the like when it is the same and when it is not. Section 17. Self depends on consciousness. Self is that conscious thinking thing, 
Whatever substance made up of, whether spiritual or material, simple or compounded, it matters not, which is sensible or conscious of pleasure and pain, capable of happiness or misery, and so is concerned for itself, as far as that consciousness extends. Thus, everyone finds that, whilst comprehended under that consciousness, the little finger is as much a part of himself as what is most so. Upon separation of this little finger, should this consciousness go along with the little finger and leave the rest of the body, it is evident that the little finger would be the person, the same person, and the self then would have nothing to do with the rest of the body. As in the case, it is the consciousness that goes along with the substance, when one part is separate from another, which makes the same person, and constitutes this inseparable self. So it is in reference to substances remote in time, that with which the consciousness of this present thinking thing can join itself, makes the same person, and is oneself with it, and with nothing else, and so attributes to itself, and owns all the actions of that thing as its own, as far as that consciousness reaches, and no further, as everyone who reflects will perceive. Section 18. Objects of Reward and Punishment In this, personal identity is founded all the right and justice of reward and punishment, Happiness and misery being that for which everyone is concerned for himself, and not mattering what becomes of any substance not joined to or affected with that consciousness. For, as it is evident in this instance I give now, if the consciousness went along with the little finger when it was cut off, that would be the same self which was concerned for the whole body yesterday, as making part of itself, whose actions then it cannot but admit as its own now. Though, if the same body should still live, and immediately form the separation of the little finger, have its own peculiar, peculiar consciousness, whereof the little finger knew nothing, it would not at all be concerned for it, as a part of itself, and could own any of its actions, or have any of them imputed to him. Section 19. This may show us wherein personal identity consists, not in the identity of substance, but, as I have said, in the identity of consciousness, wherein if Socrates was present mayor of the Queensborough agree, if they are the same person, if the same Socrates waking and sleeping do not partake of the same consciousness, Socrates waking and sleeping is not the same person. And to punish Socrates waking for what Socrates sleeping thought and waking Socrates was never conscious of would be no more of right than to punish one twin for what his brother twin did, whereof he knew nothing because their outsides were so like that they could not be distinguished, for such twins have been seen. Section 20. But yet possibly it will still be objected. Suppose I wholly lose the memory of some parts of my life, beyond a possibility of retrieving them, so that perhaps I shall never be conscious of them again. 
Yet, am I not the same person that did those actions, had those thoughts that I was once conscious of, though I have forgotten them now? To which I answer, that we must here take notice what the word I is applied to, which in this case is the man only, and the same man being presumed to be the same person. I is easily here supposed to stand also for the same person. But if it be possible for the same man to have distinct, incommunicable consciousnesses at different times, it is past doubt the same man would at different times make different persons, which we see is the sense of mankind in the solemnest declaration of their opinions. Human laws not punishing the madman for the sober man's actions, nor the sober man for what the madman did, thereby making him two persons, which is somewhat explained by our way of speaking in English. When we say such as, and one is not himself, or is beside himself, in which phrases it is insinuated as if those who now, or at least first use them, thought that self was changed, the self-same person was no longer in that man. Section 22. But is not a man drunk and a sober the same person? Why else is he punished for the fact that he commits when drunk, though he be never afterwards conscious of it? Just as much the same person as a man that walks and does other things in his sleep is the same person, and is answerable for any mischief he shall do in it. Human laws punish both, with a justice suitable to their way of knowledge, because in these cases they cannot distinguish certainly what is real, what counterfeit. And so the ignorance in drunkenness or sleep is not admitted as a plea, for, though punishment be annexed to personality and personality to consciousness, and the drunkard perhaps be not conscious of what he did, yet human judicatures justly punish him, because the fact is proved against him. But want of consciousness cannot be proved for him. But in the great day, wherein the secrets of all hearts shall be laid open, it may be reasonable to think... No one shall be made to answer for what he knows nothing of, but shall receive his doom, his conscience accusing or excusing him. Section 26. Person, a forensic term. Person, as I take it, is the name for this self. Wherever a man finds what he calls himself there, I think another may say is the same person. It is a forensic term, appropriating actions and their merit, and so belongs only to intelligent agents capable of a law and happiness and misery. This personality extends itself beyond present existence to what is past, only by consciousness, whereby it becomes concerned and accountable, owns and imputes to itself past actions, just upon the same ground and for the same reason that it does the present. All which is founded in a concern for happiness, the unavoidable concomitant of consciousness, that which is conscious of pleasure and pain, desiring that that self that is conscious should be happy, 
And therefore, whatever past actions it cannot reconcile or appropriate to that present self by consciousness, it can be no more concerned in than if they had never been done. And to receive pleasure or pain, i.e. reward or punishment, on the account of any such action, is all one as to be made happy or miserable in its first being, without any demerit at all. For supposing a man punished now for what he had done in another life, whereof he could be made to have no consciousness at all, what difference is there between that punishment and being created miserable? And therefore, conformable to this, the Apostle tells us that at the great day, when everyone shall receive according to his doings, the secrets of all hearts shall be laid open, the sentence shall be justified by the consciousness all persons shall have, that they themselves, in what bodies soever they appear, or what substances soever that consciousness adheres to, are the same that committed those actions and deserve that punishment for them.